Welcome to the Christian Politics Podcast, brought to you by the For Youth, By Youth Productions. This podcast is designed to discuss modern issues through the lens of the Bible. Welcome back to the Christian Politics Podcast, the show where we want to bring great insight and information to you for your great listening ability. This is your host, James Seyfried, and I'm here with my buddy, Bryson Davis. Bryson, how are you today? <laughs> I'm great. How are you? I love that. That's a good intro. Yes, sir. Just the, I literally just came up with all the yeah, top of my head. I, I just wanted to see talk. That, but that was great. Uh, the show where we represent honesty, integrity, and the American way. Amen. And yes. we condemn all forms of lying, hypocrisy, and smugness of the woke left. Yes. No, I'm just messing. Um that was good. Yeah. Yeah, I'm amazed by how you come up with that off the top of your head. We're good, man. It's good to be back in the studio with you and uh, fired up today. Got a lot of good things going on, a lot of big things that are happening, and so I'm, I'm ready to talk about them. I'm so excited uh, just to discuss everything because I feel like I haven't. Politics is sort of, uh, you know, it kind of slowed down a little bit, and I feel like a lot of people are just so sick of it. Nobody wants to talk politics anymore. anymore. So this is like my free space this is my safe space <laughs> this is my safe space to come and uh talk politics so i'm so i'm excited uh, to be able to talk some politics it's been a few hours so. yeah that's great <laughs> well we're gonna get started today with our headlines well 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 king roy oh my good buddy king roy has lifted the uh, the mass mandates and the restriction the restrictions on how many people can be in one place at one time, which I didn't even realize we listened to that. But King Roy, uh, I just got a notification on my phone. I was actually uh, over uh, with uh, helping a guy out, and uh, his phone went off, and uh, he said, "Well, Cooper's lifting the mass mandates." I said, "Really? Um, that's really interesting, uh, coming from where he he's from. Um, I'm glad that the mass mandates uh, are being lifted." Um, you know, I, I knew um, when Cooper was reelected and when all of these uh, when the uh, the they took over um, that this would when this is no longer an issue to be used um, for election purposes and, and being elected, it's going to be lifted because obviously, you know, it's you have the science that backs up uh, the facts. And then when you have this um, this vaccine that's been uh, going out and, and is being distributed and, and the millions of Americans that have that. Um, it, it makes you wonder, you know, we should be reaching a point to where, um, you, know, you know, the mask should uh, should no longer be mandatory. And so we've reached that in North Carolina. Uh, King Roy, I guess, uh, you know, uh, got some sense for once and uh, actually made a good decision. Uh, should have made it a long time ago, but a good thing that, it, you know, it's finally happened. Um, in my personal opinion. Well, I've got this. Uh, I'm going to read the press conference here at 1.30. Pres- uh, President, oh, good Lord. Uh, Please, no. <laughs> Governor Roy no. Cooper um, made this announcement, the effective immediately. And Bryson, I want to get your thoughts on this in just a second. Okay. Because right. every time Governor Cooper has made an announcement to ease restrictions, it's always like three, four days later at some random mm. time. We, we're going to, like, I don't yeah. understand what's the difference between him making the announcement and three days later. And enforcing it. But he said effective immediately, mm, statewide mask mandate will be eliminated. Mandatory mass gathering will be limited or no longer have limits. Mandatory capacity limits will be lifted. Mandatory social distance requirements will be lifted. Okay, I'm great that's happened. We've said on this show uh, for many, many months, these should, these should be done. There should not be a statewide. They should be county to county. 
So I'm glad he's easing these restrictions. But two questions, Bryson. One, why is it immediate and all the other things weren't immediate? The second question is why now? Well, to answer your he, first cause, well, let me go back okay. just to preface. A couple his last press conference, he said that he would wait until we got sixty six percent, two thirds of the adult population vaccinated. Now we're at fifty one percent. Like I said, I am great that we're doing it. But why is he now rolling back even what he said? And now we're at 51% and he's saying, okay, we're going to eliminate all these things. Those are two questions I want to ask you. Well, I really don't know, to be honest with you. I don't know how to answer that. My first uh, thing that comes to mind is, you know, obviously the, the facts don't lie. Um, so when you have the facts of, of the mask, a piece of cloth with, uh, you know, a billion microscopic tiny holes to uh, protect you from a microscopic virus, I mean, obviously there's that chance that that's not really going to do that great of a job. And when you have so much of the population, uh, especially the vulnerable, which is, which is the important key part, I think, um, because the, the vaccination, um, you know, it, it's not developed, um, but it's developed enough and, and it's approved. And so it fights the COVID and, and it prevents the COVID. And um, the vulnerable have received that vaccine. You know, it started out 60 and older, got the vaccine, then it worked its way down. Now, uh, people who are even my age can receive the vaccine. Um, so, you know, we've protected the vulnerable now. And that was the goal. That's actually what Dan Forrest, who just, by the way, he, where did he go? He kind of disappeared. Uh, no. But but that's where, you know, that's sort of what he ran on was we got to protect the vulnerable. And once the vaccine gets out, we lift the mask mandates. But um, I, I really don't know. It's, it's very odd timing um, because today, I mean, just on a, on a Friday afternoon, um, you know, it's just I don't I don't know why the timing. It really doesn't make sense to me. I don't know if the, and there might not be anything in particular. There any might reason, not be any maybe, reason why. Maybe I'm just the conspiracy um, theory guy that yeah, wants to look into things and and try to. Figure. Well, it's good to look into things, but I just you know I I think that it's just you know 66 percent of the population that doesn't I mean that includes. Um, you know, everybody from all ages. But I think the main goal is that we protect the vulnerable. And now I think the vulnerable are pretty much vaccinated at the most. Yeah. Um, and, and I don't know. I'm trying to think because this is a really long, stretched out answer. And I don't even know if this has made any sense to anybody that's listening because I'm thinking and talking at the same time. And sometimes that don't really work for me. But um, I, I, don't, I don't know the reasoning why it would just like why the certain time you know, really makes a difference. And there, and there may be, but what's your thinking behind that? I, I don't know. That's why I want to get your thoughts. Yeah. I don't know if there's a reason behind <laughs> yeah. it. Um, you know, I know that he had said at one point, we're going to wait till a certain number. Yeah. Well, we're still 16, 15% off of that number. Yeah, that's, okay, that's and one like thing. I said, I'm not, I'm not upset at this. I am completely fine with it. I'm just trying to figure out why now and why, why are we all, I don't know. Did, did Mark Robinson say something and he's starting to make this political bid. So now he's, Trying to protect his governor seat, I don't. I don't know what it is. Yeah, well, in, any decision that, it, and this is his second term, but any any decision that's made is obviously going to have political influence because he's not just going to make yeah. a decision that benefits North Carolinians unless it has a political, um, you know, uh, it, benefit. Yeah. Yep. So uh, I don't know. It's a tough one. I, it I, is. I really don't know how to answer that. To be quite honest with you. Well, that's great. And so that's really all we're going to talk about is our topics for today. I just wanted to yeah. give you that thought. Talk about King um, Roy. We're here in the kingdom of North Carolina. I, I called Bryson this week and I said, hey, uh, we, we're we working on another interview, but the guy that we're trying to get interviewed, we're only having two episodes after this. 
And so we're trying to push in as much as we can. Um, trying to get a, two. We've got two great interviews lined up. One with Daniel Odom at the very last interview in May, and then we're trying to work on another uh, sheriff's candidate for next week. Um, his wife has been having some health problems, and so he hasn't been able to get back with us. Um, but I told Bryce, and I said, man, we've had a lot of big things happen in the last couple of days. I said, and I really, the thought came to my mind, and I've been listening to several different political politics, and the mind, that, the thought that came to my mind was this, the crisis that's happening in America. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the crisis in America. And I gave Bryson just a couple of ideas and he came back with a five page paper and uh, it's, <laughs> hey. it's a great lineup. And so we're going to talk about it. Bryson. I want you to read the opening statement that you've written down because I thought it was really, really good um, to sort of introduce this thought, the crisis in America. Here's the crisis in America. Throughout the past several years, a crisis in America has developed We're in a time of civil unrest, a time when uh, many people feel divided as we are. With an unconventional president and Donald Trump and the radical administration of Joe Biden, many Americans have been uneasy at times. We are going to break down the cause of this crisis, the parts of this crisis, and most importantly, the solution to this crisis. And that's the beginning of the, the, the discussion. Man, I feel really professional right now. Yeah, I do. How about little, that music? A little background, about soft that music? music behind us. Man, this is good. <laughs> well, first off. We're the most professional unprofessionals that there ever was. That's right. First off, a couple of days ago in the news, man, I'd like to have this background maybe the whole time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is terrible. First off, it's a couple great. of days ago, we had a cyber attack that happened. Oh, that caused the pipeline in North Carolina and all across the East Coast to be without gas. Mm. This caused many people to go and buy tons of gas at one time because they are crazy people. Mm. And they go out and they just begin buying and buying and buying and they don't realize that eventually there's going to be a shortage because they created this shortage. Yeah. And uh, they're going to figure out this shortage and they're going to make it work. Um, But they have to let the process work. And too many times, uh, sort of like Bryson, do you remember... Um, I don't know if you're old enough to remember a year ago. There, uh, <laughs> there was uh, reach back in my file. I can pull that one out. Yeah. They they began talking about this uh, shortage of toilet paper, and as this toilet paper began to get shortage, everybody went out and bought every single piece of toilet paper they could find. Yeah. Okay, that's what causes the shortage. <laughs> this is what this is the problem with. Okay, this is the problem, right? So th- we have a gas shortage now. We've we've accepted that and we've created it too. Um, but the reason, like you're saying, we had the toilet paper crisis of 2020, is what I'm going to call it, where you couldn't go into any store. It was like it was like gold. You know, you couldn't you couldn't find it anywhere because um, as soon as it hit the shelf, it was gone. It barely even made it to the shelf, really. Um, but what happens is something like that. Um, you know, what starts is people buying it for one thing and just continually buying it or for example in this situation with the gas um what happens is obviously the pipeline hack right somebody hacked a computer um they hacked the pipeline system that goes all the way up and down the east coast uh provides the gasoline for for the entire east coast well they didn't hack the system they hacked the checking and maintenance of it right so So it was a potential cyber attack that could have or could not have happened right so yeah could have been prevented as well but it happened, and so with that, um, you know, obviously the news media found that as a way to, uh, to uh, you know, get some ratings and some time. So 
what happened was, you know, people heard it on the news and then, oh, no, we're going to run out of gas. We got to go get gas. So everyone lined up and everybody went out and they got gas. Um, the gas prices went up because supply and demand, obviously. And so um, people bought gas. Gas stations ran out of gas. And so now what is going to happen is this. Um, you have this these gas stations that are out of gas. And the pipeline's fixed now. Um, it, it's a done deal. Um, it's fixed now. But the, the problem is is that people are going to, uh, pe- people can't find gas anywhere. So when the gas becomes available, those gas stations, people are going to flock to those gas stations and b- stockpile the gas because they're like, oh, man, it's back. We can find it here. People are going to come. So they got to go, and they fill up all their tanks, and they fill up everything. And then next thing you know, that gas station's out of gas. And so it just it's like a big cycle. That's why you didn't have toilet paper for half of the year last year. Because it's this big cycle that repeats itself and repeats itself, kind of yeah. like history. It just keeps going and going. <laughs> and people, and so, yeah, uh, and, and the supply chain can't keep up. That's the biggest problem. Yeah, that, that's uh, the problem. When I got the text on Sunday, my dad, he, he keeps up with things. He sent us a text and said, hey, pipeline just got hacked. Go buy gas. Fill your cars up. And uh, so it just so happened that yes, the next day on Monday, my truck needed gas. It was on empty. So I pulled into the Walmart there in town, and I filled her up, and I went on about my business. And mm-hmm. so then I text my wife and I said, how much gas do you have? A half tank? Okay. I said, wait till you get down to about empty and fill up. That, just like normally. Like there's no right. problem here. Just do it like normal. Yeah. And for us, it's been fine. We haven't had been crazy. I went and got some gas today for my mower. Uh, nothing big. Uh, but this is the problem here. When you have these, these things that happen, this constant cycle, all of a sudden you begin to... Uh, you've heard the statement before. We never let a good crisis go to waste, right? This mm-hmm. is the energy secretary... For our president right now, Joe Biden, and this is what this president, this secretary decided to say about the gas shortage. I drive an electric car. This would not be affecting you, clearly. The broader issue is a very important issue. It's an issue for the president's uh, priority in the American Jobs Plan, the issue of investing in a transmission grid, for example, so that you don't have the cyber issues associated with it. So there's a lot of broader questions in this, um, and we hope that we'll be able to see that investment in infrastructure that will facilitate clean and renewable energy. Oh, so we've got this crisis, and mm. now we're saying, you know what? If you had an electric car, this oh, problem, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't have this problem. This problem wouldn't be there. No. And, and the whole time she's saying this, Bryson, she's got a grin on her face. She's just oh, smiling, what laughing. Evil, those are the evil grins, right? <laughs> those are the ones that just Bryson. Let me get ask under you this: skin. Let's say you've got an electric car, and uh, I don't. I'm saying, if you, know, if, I'm joking, let's say I'm hypothetically speaking, yeah, you hypothetically did. Hypothetically speaking, correct. and uh, let's say an ice storm came through in the winter, oh. and you're out of power in your home mm. for I don't know, let's say a week. Yeah. So how is that car going to move? Um, well, first of all, it's not going to have a source to charge itself. Oh, uh, okay. unless so, unless it's solar. So if you want to stick a big fat solar so, panel on the top hey, of your car, which I'm, I mean, yeah, I'm going to put in my r- house. Right so I would still be able to, like, but yeah, like the lampoons. Yeah, then go ahead, but um. Yeah, that that wouldn't work. Plus, so, if your if your uh, if your house goes out of power, that we, actually this is a good example. You did a good job, James. Last year we had this, uh, you know, the big storm. We've talked about it a few times. Had a lot of flooding and things. Our power was out for several days, mm-hmm. and so in, in an effort to save everything in the refrigerator and the and the freezer and every, everything, you know, like that, to prevent all of our food from just going bad. Uh, we had this unique, uh, interesting little thing that's called a generator. Mm. And uh, that unique, interesting little thing called a generator runs off of, you know, a unique 
interesting thing called gas. Oh, my. And gas is supplied by these pipelines. Um, it doesn't run off. Electricity doesn't run off of itself. It's got to be produced somehow. So unless there's a way to, uh, you know, unless we have backup solar panels and all do, go through all this trouble uh, to, you know, to do all this, it's just ridiculous. So this even, petroleum you know, fuel, this petroleum fuel was providing energy for your house. Hmm, right. Crazy. Correct. So, yeah. so what's going to happen is, is if we all have electric cars, which, hey, it may be a great thing for us to do at some mm-hmm. point in the future, but what's to say that our energy grid would not be a cyber attack as well? And they all of a sudden now. Yeah, because then that <laughs> creates the. Did, uh, so, so this, yeah. this circle reasoning was absolutely ridiculous when they said that. Um, it's a, I so, pray so, for those folks. Yes. Uh, here's my thing. We can't rely completely. I don't care if you have everywhere. Like if you pick a big place of like, you would have to take a half of a big state where there's nothing. So take like, uh, I don't know, Nevada, somewhere like that. Take just take a big state where it's got a chunk of nothing, and just put solar panels on it. That could maybe provide power, but you can't rely completely on solar panels. Yeah. And that's the only way. Solar and water is really the only two ways to get energy that is completely clean. Because where does your energy come from, especially in this area? It's burnt coal. Mm-hmm. Coal burning creates mm-hmm. the energy. So you're kind of a hypocrite if you buy an electric car. You charge your car at your house, which is powered by coal. That makes you a hypocrite, Yeah, um, in my opinion. So not only as far as the pipeline uh, goes, we have also seen a um, rise in inflation. So, Bryson, um, in the month of April, we saw an inflation rate go from 3.6% of the general inflation. This is the highest that it's been, Bryson. The CPS report gives it as this. It's the highest inflation in one month since 1982, Mm. back when Jimmy Carter was our president. And uh, so him and Joe Biden are roughly the same age. Um, They are, I think they're brothers. They may be closely related somehow. Uh, I think they served in Congress together and stuff. Uh, But this goes to show just how far... Our inflation is going. I shared this with Bryson this past week on the um, greatest uh, thing called the Internet. I don't know if I shared this with him somewhere. I think it was on his text message. Yes, I did. And it said this. um, The price of steel um, in the last 70 days has went up 145%. Lumber, 126%. Wheat, 25%. Food, 25%. Cotton, 35%. Silver, 38%. Copper, um, I may have said that Cop- cotton, not copper, and then copper fifty percent and oil in eighty percent, all in the last seventy days. That is what the cost has went up due to inflation, and, and this is all part of this crisis that's in America. With you had a booming economy when you took over an office, roughly the economies would went through a pandemic, but for three years we saw great, great growth. And so, even after the pandemic ends, you should see that economy flip back very quickly. And so there's this there's this national local for us this 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 crisis that has happened uh, that some people are saying they're sort of creating a distraction over here with their right hand so that they you don't see what's going on with their left hand maybe maybe not I don't know um, but all of a sudden this pipeline happened yeah. um, and so that that's the first one is this this sort of localized for us this pipeline that is affecting everyone housing costs uh, the cost of gas mm-hmm. at the fuel tank. Uh, you know, just a couple of years ago, it was a dollar seventy nine for gas at the pump, and now it's two eighty nine. It's a dollar more, and yeah. we don't have any mean text anymore. The mean tweets are gone, uh, yeah. but our gas is up a hey. dollar here. Hey, so I'll tell you, 
I would rather have a mean tweet than be spending three dollars on gas like we did back in the Obama years. Yeah. And you know, like you said, I, I remember, I remember when Jimmy Carter was president. Good old peanut farmer. I remember when he was president. I was, I was, I was just a young boy back then. You don't remember, but, son? No, I don't. I was, uh, I, I was about thirty, yeah. forty years before my time. So that the first one's the pipeline. The second thing we want to look at is the civil unrest. Um, and we've talked about this a little bit back and forth, so we're not going to spend too much time. But not only did we battle a pandemic in 2020, but we saw massive riots all over. Oh, sorry, I don't know why I said riots. P- peaceful protests um, all over the nation, ignited by a spark of George Floyd's death. Cities have been torn mm-hmm. apart, burned down to the ground in efforts to support many Democratic congressmen and women like Maxine Waters, AOC, Ilhan Omar, and others to solve this racism problem. Obviously, mass destruction and chaos does not solve racism, so this only assisted in making the crisis in America even larger. This left, of two, this left us to more of the divide. It even added more racism unrest because it was almost as if these folks were trying to end racism with more racism and chaos. And so this is this process of, um, goes back to the shortage. We're short, let's buy a bunch of stuff, and hopefully it all let pans out. And all of a sudden, now everyone's without it. And so now with this racism problem, let's create this new problem of racism to hopefully it'll solve itself, and it never does. You cannot allow things to think like they'll solve themselves. We must have a problem, and we must have a a unified effort to create this solve in this divide. And so we've got to get to this point where we are no longer divided, but we are coming together as united. Bryson, what's your thoughts on that? I think that this civil unrest created a problem that didn't exist in order to provide um, radicals an opportunity uh, to pass things because they, they... create this problem this is a this is a man-made problem this is a problem that i believe did not exist on a large scale um until this happened and the media pushed it and the the um congressmen and the politicians pushed it and this is an this is a great way to to you know say we've got this problem well we must have to we have to fix it somehow because they've created this problem so now they have to fix it well that opens the door for them to pass radical policies like critical race theory for example which we'll talk about in just a minute but that that's why uh we've had this critical un, this um this unrest because it it's created to to benefit and, and to pass things and, and it's so polarized um but but that's what i think about it um you know uh, we've seen that all last year all this year or you not as bad this year on, on as much of a scale as it was last year. Uh, cities destroyed, burned to the ground, um, and, and people just, you know, going crazy um, over this issue of civil unrest, which which I thought that we, you know, solved a long time ago. Um, and, and like I said, we've talked about this a bunch, so there's really, yeah. I feel like we're repeating ourselves with this um, as we go on. Uh, but we'll continue on. Uh, to this thing called the border crisis. I'm sure you've heard about it. Uh, we all know that it exists by now, or you've at least heard about it. Um, and I'm sure you, you know something about the southern border, whether you listen to Joe Biden or Donald Trump. They've both mentioned the southern border. With the Trump administration's strong stance on border security and legal immigration, our southern border had been, you know, the most secure in decades. Um, with the welcoming of the new Biden administration into the White House, migrants saw this as an opportunity, and they took it as an opportunity to get into America by simply walking across the border and entering our country without any monitoring 
by border security, which that alone is dangerous. It is. Um, it sounds so dangerous. Yeah. Um, uh, th- this was fine until it became such a problem to where migrant facilities, which, by the way, do not allow media access like they did in the previous administration, to be overwhelmed with illegal immigrants, thousands of people, because they see this as an opportunity to, to break, basically break into our house, break into our country. Um, break, break in and, and come in illegally instead of you know knocking on the front door. Um, there have been countless occasions in the past few months in which people from places like Yemen uh, have c- been caught trying to enter our country through the wide open door of the southern border. Now tell me why? What are folks from Yemen doing coming into America not only illegally but coming into America through Mexico, mm. where Yemen is not close to Mexico? I, I don't think it is. No, um, if no. if you know uh, you know geography at all, um, and, and you know. The end of this, the the wall construction, uh, was a big thing because that was a big help to securing our border. The end of that and the overwhelming illegal immigration at our nation's southern border uh, has nonetheless made the crisis in America even larger. And so, as we go throughout these things, we're, we're trying to show you how each of these topics that we're talking about has created this crisis um, and established it and, and enlarged it and made it worse. And uh, so we're searching for a solution here. But what's your thoughts on the border crisis in, in general? Well, you know, when you think of these things, uh, a lot of times we hear, you know, uh, an oil shortage or we hear Texas having the, the power situation that just happened or the George Floyd incident. And a lot of times we feel like, that. well, these things are so far away from me. Why are we even thinking about these things? Why are we talking about them? But when you bring this whole picture together, you bring together the oil shortage, you bring together the racism, you bring together the border crisis and the other two things that we're going to talk about, all of a sudden this big picture begins to form. It's the pieces of the puzzle. They, they're, they're small in and of themselves, but when you begin putting them together, you begin seeing the larger picture. You begin seeing that by allowing illegal immigrants to come in, and I'm not saying not allow immigrants, I'm saying illegal immigrants, right. come in legally. The beautiful thing through. about beautiful thing about immigration and a wall and a border is that the wall has a huge front door in which people can come in from all different places and come into the country. Yeah. That, that's the beauty, beauty of, of And that. there's a process. Yeah, there's Go process, through the process. process. We have processes for people that are in uh, places that are in uprest and up, up, upheaval of coming here in a, in a way of, of seeking peace and a way to seek a new lifestyle. We have that process. Go through it. I know of many of my friends that I worked with at Chick-fil-A and other places that were Hispanic, that were saving every penny of their dollars so that their family could one day meet them here. Mm-hmm. And they had came legally, and so now they're raising money for their family to come here legally. Yeah. Now, why are they not just coming in illegally? Okay, Because they want to do it right. There's a right way. And they want to see it done the right way. And you have a much more appreciation when you've earned something than when you steal something. Mm-hmm. And so we've got to get to that point. Yeah. So. I- the border crisis. Bryce, yeah. any thoughts on that before I continue on? Well, just generally, immigration is a beautiful thing, and it's not. none of us should be against immigration because I wouldn't be living in this country if it weren't for immigration. Exactly. Because unless you are a Native American, which is a very small percentage of the population, um, you're an immigrant from somewhere. Uh, you have ancestors that were immigrants from, from somewhere, and most likely that's all over the world. That's the, another beautiful thing about this country is uh, you have Native Americans who were here first, but then you have everybody else. And it's like this one place where everybody from everywhere came together and established this great thing called America. Yeah. Well, Go ahead. the next thought we're going to look at is the thought of the untrusted election. And when I say this, 
Um, every election that happens, there's untrust in. Mm-hmm. Um, one side is going to think that it was cheated. One side's going to think that they were done wrong. When Bush and Gore and that whole thing went down, the, the Republicans were wrong. And then they cheated to get Bush in the presidency. And then every single one since then. Someone's always cheated. So there's this there's this untrust that is in the elections. Um, and to make the situation worse, our country witnessed one of the most interesting elections in American history this past year. Most people on one side believe the actual election was rigged or stolen, while on the other side, they praised the new changes uh, of the more liberal and radical America. And so there's this thought of, of can we even trust what is happening? And Donald Trump said this so clearly um, in the presidential debates, when he would have been questioned by uh, Joe Biden and the very first interview, the very first debate, what was the, the anchor's name? Do you remember, Bryson? I do not remember who um, it was. What was it? Um, what network? NBC, ABC, one of the two. The guy that was down there. And they were both questioning um, Donald Trump. And he made this statement. I think he made it in the first one and the second one. He said, elections have consequences. Because they were talking about the the Supreme Court and why he had put in three people on there, and he said, "Well, elections have consequences, guys. I'm elected. I'm going to put cons- I'm going to put the Supreme Courts in there. That's part of the election. Things happen. Policies happen. People. Elections have consequences, and we're seeing that today. With the election of November third, the radical mission administration was born, bringing in some of the most progressive policies that we've seen in history. The executive orders that we've talked about intensively. So we're not going to go over them because you can go back to other episodes and listen. They began bringing about this Green New Deal. They began bringing about the Equality Act. They began bringing about these radical policies that not only influence America, but influence our allies. As we begin looking right now at not only the crisis in America, but the crisis overseas. For four years, for five, well, since 2012, Okay, so however long that goes back, uh, it was actually, I think, 2014, uh, if I can remember correctly, seven years ago, uh, there has been somewhat of peace in the Middle East. There has been, uh, you know, Donald Trump signed that peace deal, and the Middle East with Israel and Pakistan and Palestine, they have been peaceful up until about six months ago. And all of a sudden, missiles begin to fly, and the Palestinians are attacking Israel every single day with hundreds of thousands of missiles and bombs. Now, luckily, they have what's called this Iron Dome system that is able to shoot missiles out of the air. It's a beautiful picture, if you've never seen it, of these bombs coming in and Israel shooting these bombs out of the air. Okay, But I'm thinking about these children's lives that are being Mm -hmm. in stake here because of this unrest. Now, what what should happen is America should stand up and American forces should go into Israel and back up Israel because they are our ally. But instead, we have people like Ilhar Omar and AOC who are saying that, uh, you know, it's bad that Palestine is firing these missiles, but Israel shouldn't be firing back. They're protecting themselves. It's a horrible argument to say that. And we should be protecting our allies. And because the world and the the world on a grand scale knows that we are not going to protect Israel. So now they know they can attack Israel and they can do whatever they want. And it's a scary, scary situation as Christians, as people who live in this, in this nation, we should be fearful that we are not protecting our ally, especially when the Bible says that we, if we do not protect them, if we do not care for them, then we will be abandoned. And so God has a very clear command on that. 
People who are the friends of Israel will be the friends of God. That's why we have stood with Israel. That's why Donald Trump moved the capital to Tel Aviv. That's why we've done these things, because we care about it. And so this is a very, very dangerous road we're going down, not only of our side of the aisle with the Green New Deal and the Equality Act that's been trying to pass, but also our international affairs. So now you see this bigger picture. Not only is it just a gas crisis, not only is it just the uh, the small border control and, and and all these other things we talked about, but now we're getting in this international and bigger realm that has a much bigger, vast impact of your life. Yeah, I agree. I think um, as Americans and, and even more importantly as Christians, it, it's our job and you know our obligation to protect Israel. Like you said, I believe that, and uh, I, I remember uh, talking to a guy, one of the few people that I've actually uh, interviewed, just out and about. Um, this was at a uh, at a uh, one of one of the Trump rallies in Hickory, North Carolina, and uh, his name was uh, I can't remember his name. I think his name was Clint. And I talked to him and I asked him why he supported you know Trump, and he said um, because uh, because of his st- the first thing that came to his mind was the, his stance on Israel, and I found that interesting because you know that's not really a big issue often. It is now, but back then you know it wasn't. You didn't really talk about Israel a lot. And he said as Christians, it's our job to protect Israel. And so I think that um, it's important that uh, we do that and establish it. Yeah. All right. This fifth and final issue today before we um, sort of give some solutions here for us, Bryson, give this. And I do want to give an update when we give this as well, because we mentioned this last week in the last two weeks. And so I've got some more information that we can provide for this of what's happening in North Carolina. So the next thing and the, and the final thing that we've got to talk about is critical race theory. Uh, The critical race theory is the dangerous, divisive, and destructive concept that comes from a horrific base of Marxist ideology. Bryson, Um, you alliterated that. This has been passed. Dangerous, divisive, and destructive. Man. Let me just say that again. Man, that was good. By the way, if anybody anybody, anybody is interested in publishing this, I'm talking to the newspapers and the people connected that are listening. Uh, (laughs) If you want to publish my article, you could reach out to us. (laughs) But uh, (laughs) No, I'm joking, but um, it's all right, sir. Read that Copyright again. issue. Yeah. So the critical race theory is a dangerous... No, let me just start over. Critical race theory is a dangerous, divisive, and destructive concept that comes from a horrific base of a Marxist ideology. Mm. This has been passed uh, to be taught in schools in many states and is in consideration in many others. Uh, critical race theory teaches students at a young age that people belong in groups and should not be treated as the individual people they are. This is a dangerous ideology and should not be taught anywhere because of the deep brainwashing it, t- it can do and has been proven to do. I look at your socialist countries on our, around the globe, Venezuela, other places, mm-hmm. uh, the places where this has been taught and established. Uh, they started out nice and they started out fair. Uh, now they stand, stand in bread lines for hours just to get one small bite to eat. And all of this, you're thinking, what does bread lines, how do you connect that with critical race theory? Well, we've been standing in lines for gas. Well, that's you yeah, know that's th- true. That, that's yeah. part of it, right there. Yeah. You know, that's, uh, I was just actually talking to somebody. I said we were. Uh, they said we're talking about the line at the gas station. They couldn't believe it, and I said, "Well, just wait till that's for bread." Uh, but the the thing, the way you connect that is is the critical race theory is the beginning of all of this. This this trains and teaches young people who eventually become adults um, 
of, of this socialist and Marxist ideology. This this beats this into their into their mind. It, it, it like I said, it brainwashes them um, in, into thinking a certain way that leads to them thinking like a socialist mm-hmm. and thinking like a Marxist. And so that's how that's how uh, you know socialist countries become socialist because of people that are just frankly don't know any better because of what they've been taught. And if this is taught, this this can be a very uh, dangerous thing. But um, well, obviously, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. The uh, we mentioned the last couple of weeks, North Carolina has been debating and talking and possibly passing critical race theory being taught in the North Carolina education system. And so I have reached out to several people and uh, had some good conversations. And what I had figured out is that the critical race theory passed in the state board of education to be taught in North Carolina. Now, what happened after that was it had to go to the North Carolina House. When it went to the North Carolina House, the person that's over the House is our vice president of the state, which is our lieutenant governor, Mr. Mark Robinson. And so he he administered that vote. That vote came before the House, and it passed in the House for it not to be taught in North Carolina. I believe the vote was like 69 to 40 uh, was the vote. Somewhere around in there, uh, it was an overwhelming majority had voted for that, that it would be dangerous, it would be destructive, and it would be divisive. Hmm, I think I've heard those words before. They didn't say that, uh, but they, I'm sure if they did, they would be taking that from Bryson Davis, the great co-host of uh, the Christian Politics Podcast. Oh, you're too but kind. they too had decided that this was a, a, a horrible idea. Mark Robinson, the first black lieutenant governor to ever be elected into office in North Carolina, said this is the most dangerous, the most dangerous thought and theory that can be taught to our young people. He said, I will not stand for it to be taught. And I'm asking our North Carolina house to vote this in a no, that it not be taught. And so it passed in the North Carolina house that it not be taught in North Carolina. So now it goes from the North Carolina house to North Carolina Senate. If the Senate passes it as a no as well to back that up, then it'll go to the governor's desk to be signed that it not be taught. And so this is where I'm sort of thinking he has relieved the mask mandate because he's seen these, maybe he thought the North Carolina was a little more left-leaning than he originally thought. And he thought maybe this was going to pass, and now it didn't. And he sees that North Carolina is more conservative and on the right track than what he thought. Well, and so now he's backtracking some of these policies. Governor Cooper is, is backing up a little bit. the mask mandate. Hey, so, uh, so I'm seeing yeah. some things here because he got reelected because he was a good old Democrat boy. Okay, yeah. and I'm fine with that. <laughs> good old Democrat. Well, and I'm boy. saying that that they use that term. He's just a good old Democrat. Yeah. He's just a good boy. A you good know, he's man. a good old boy. Just like Joe. Yeah. Joe's so. just a, he's like your grandpa. Yeah. Man. He's a good guy. You know, he's just loving and caring. He's just a good old Southern Democrat. So it was very encouraging when I saw this week that that got voted down in the North Carolina House that they voted no that it not be taught in North Carolina. We had uh, hope. And so there is some great things there. I believe that that's some good things. So our question is, our last question, as we close up this short, exciting show for you, what is the solution for the crisis that we now face so close to home? Because before, when we're sitting there and we're thinking about these things, well, critical race will never come to North Carolina. Man, we'll never have to stand in line for gas again. We'll never have to stand in line for food again. We'll never have to stand in line for toilet paper. All of a sudden, these things have happened, and they've happened within a year's time. And so what we must do is we must be alert. We must be active in our society. We cannot stand in the sidelines. 
We must be proactive. We must reach out to our governors. We must reach out to our House members. We must reach out to our senators. We must reach out to our local politicians. I've been making a point to try to talk to our local politicians and ask them questions to know that their constituents are concerned. Their constituents are having a voice and their voices should be heard. And so we as individuals must think like this. We must be individuals who are thinking of prayer who are on our knees before God and saying, God, we need you to intervene in this country if it's going to last. Because if we don't, we as a nation will fail. And it will happen quicker than you can ever imagine because you've already seen what can happen in a year's time with tool paper shortage, with paper towel shortage, with other... I mean, Bryson, I don't know if you saw this picture the other day. There is an airport hangar full of Ford trucks that are sitting in an airport hangar because of one silicone chip that has not been produced. Dang. And the entire truck fleet cannot be put to hey. sell because of this one chip that runs the entire vehicle that is out of production. My truck, it is 21 years old. Okay? I think it's 21 years old. Um, 2015. I'm not 2015. 2005. So it's 15, 16 years old. My, oh, my, my you're off are way off. Okay. <laughs> so, so a 2005 truck in the last year, in the last six months, mm-hmm. I would say, in the last six months, it has gained its value, gained its value by $2,000. Wow. A used truck. Pretty good. Because trucks are, there's no trucks out there. They can't sell them because they don't have this one piece. Because and then when the supply they want to sell them, they're selling them for like sixty thousand dollars. Yeah, because the we supply chain is so low, so yeah. the cost of these trucks are going up. I've never in my life seen it. Crazy. And so, man. because of one piece of part that has the entire truck running, now there's a standstill, and you wonder why things are not processing the way they should because we have this supply chain that is messed up. We have these policies that have been reversed that are destroying our the way we live, and the cost of how we see things. The yeah. bubble will burst. The inflation is going to hit. Right now, interest rates are super low, but it will not stay like this, and it will go up. So be prepared. Physically, mentally, emotionally, be prepared for this bubble to bust. Yeah. We're going to hit an inflation time. We're already seeing that. Okay, You're not going to see that 3.6% that I mentioned earlier that was on Yahoo News. They reported in April that it went up 3.6% in the inflation. You're not going to see that right now. But give it a couple months, and you will see that, and you're going to start seeing that bigger and bigger when you start paying more and more, yeah. and you start having less and less in your bank account. That is why it's so dangerous for when we receive these stimulus packages, these fake stimulus packages, because it's an yeah. artificial inflation of everything. I have something to say. So that's, that's sort of my reaction package. as Christians. We must be aware. <laughs> we must be involved, and we must pray for our elected representatives. Bryson, that's what's your good. thoughts? I left our notes empty uh, in that section because— I didn't really, I, you know, I didn't, I just didn't come up with that. And so James pretty much just came up with that. He's not reading that off of anything yeah, or anything like that. So that's, right the top of the head. So that's good, man. Um, I can't remember what I was going to say. Dang it. Mm. Oh, my goodness. It just left I said my, fake stimulus package. And you went oh, yeah. Okay. okay. That's what it was. Um, <laughs> I don't know why. I'm, I'm getting like Joe, man. I'll, that just let left, it happens. Let, it happens. That old age, it happens. Yeah, I know, man. Um, so okay, here's what I was gonna say. Um, this it's the stimulus package to me. I just, I mean, I think it's crazy. I, I laugh at it at this point because when something, you know, you just gotta. Sometimes you just gotta sit back and you just gotta laugh at it because it, people are are getting these and they're like 
man, I just I just got this. Uh, Joe paid for this. You know, this is uh, thanks to Joe Biden. I got a new whatever. Um, but but I'm thinking, you know, yeah, that's great. You know, that's great and all, but. You're really going to like that when you're paying the taxes on it next year. You know, when tax season rolls around and you're paying the taxes on the, the couple thousand dollars you got back and you've got so much taxes to pay because of all that stimulus money, it's, you know, I, I sort of just, you know, sit back to myself and just think that and just laugh a little bit. But, you know, like you said, you know, we've got a crisis in America and, and James just told you how we can fix it. And uh, that's how we need to respond and that's how we need to go out and fix it. We've got to fix it because if it keeps happening, We've, we, well, we've told you what will happen if it keeps on and if we let it happen. And so, um, you know, you got to make your voices heard. Uh, stay out there and, and uh, stay in the fight because um, if, if people sit back and think, well, I have no platform, um, I'm too small, you know, my, who's going to hear me? That one person that you talk to at the gas station, that could change their viewpoint on, on everything. And right and, now you may be able to talk to them for a long period of time. <laughs> right. Because they're waiting. Be, yeah, they're going to be waiting for a while. So that's a really good opportunity. So when you go get gas, uh, talk to everybody. <laughs> now, Bryson, let me ask you this. You okay. said stay in the fight. Are you meaning literally go out there and fight? Because <laughs> we have to clarify these things. For the liberal listeners, no. I did not mean to go throw hands. I mean okay. stay in the – and look, <laughs> that reminds me of January 6th when he said we're going to go march down there peacefully and patriotically, make our voices heard. Stay in the fight. Yeah, that doesn't mean that we're going to throw hands. That's a figurative language. So if uh, you know what, so I, you weren't quoting so Ma- Maxine Waters when she said go and put your no, get in there. Okay, she didn't say stay in the fight. She said she said you get in up in their face and you you uh, harass them. Uh, she's crazy. No, but um, <laughs> she's just crazy, man. Um, but I've had some I've had some pretty decent English teachers over the years. So you were pointing out, you know, however I came up with those fancy words. Don't ask me how where that came from. I'll just give my English teachers credit for that. But uh, I also, you know, learned figurative language from those teachers. So I guess some people need to understand yeah. figurative language and understand when people are being sarcastic and serious uh, because sarcasm, you know, it's everywhere. Um, but it's, it's really a common sense thing. Now we're going way off track. We are. We are. Well, uh, we thank you for listening. Yeah, we're going to pray and close, this, close the program down. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for allowing us to be able to have this opportunity to talk, to be able to have this opportunity to bring awareness to our situation in America right now. It is bigger than what we can realize, and it is only something that you can help us solve. We pray that you'll help us to be Christians who are serving you, who are listening to you, and ultimately are following your guidance. We thank you for what you've done. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. That's the show. That's all that we've got for you today. And I really hope you enjoyed this one because I know that we did. We had a great time doing this. And uh, so I hope you enjoyed it. As always, send us an email at fibyproductions at gmail.com. Reach out to us. We've had a few reach out, you know, a few few people. Someone was wanting to give us some feedback on her. I I think that may have been a scam. Um, (laughs) But... uh, Reach out to us and, and uh, you know, give us a rating with it. It really helps us to, to get up there so when people search us up that we're not so difficult uh, to find. So uh, we appreciate uh, appreciate you listening. We've been doing really good in the, in the statistics and everything. So yeah. uh, with that said, uh, thanks for listening. And as always, James. Until next time, God bless. Thank you for listening to this podcast presented by FYBY. If you enjoyed the content, please leave a rating or review and check out our Facebook page for more content.